the old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance whip beer the neighborhood original sponsored by harlem beer distributing north carolina for more information log on to their website at harlembeernc.com you're locked into the hbcu football daily podcast for today tuesday april 13th i'm donald where it is takeaway tuesday on the hbcu football daily podcast got a quite a few items to get to with you on today we're going to talk about that Alabama A&M and Jackson State game high scoring affair 52 to 43 in favor of Alabama A&M we'll let you know who's number one in the HBCU football polls we'll also let you know the box to row national player of the week well as promised on yesterday's podcast about Eddie George at Tennessee State now And a couple of things here. Uh, One, like I talked about with respect to Rod Reed. And, you know, very unfortunate that uh, this was going on in terms of uh, Eddie George. It got leaked out that Eddie George was going to be the next head coach. And Rod Reed hadn't even finished out his tenure there at Tennessee State. Had been the head coach there for 11 seasons. Was a player there, an All-American player. uh, Also an assistant coach right before he became the head coach. Did a, I mean he did a he did a solid job. Three games under 500 overall. That 2013 season, as I mentioned, very special. Uh, the Tigers did not win the OBC, but got an at-large berth to the FCS playoffs. Won a game in the first round against Butler. That is something that doesn't happen, at least more recently with HBCUs. Won a first-round game in the FCS uh, playoffs. So I think he definitely deserved. Uh, more respect than that. He knew uh, he addressed his team on Saturday uh, that he th- that Sunday was going to be his last day uh, or last game as the head football coach at Tennessee State. You can you know you can argue. I mean you can make an argument for both sides whether this w- was the right move. I mean you're you know three games under five hundred over an eleven year span, no OVC championships. Uh, got some pro players. Uh, in the league, write uh, some good publicity to uh, the Tennessee State program, did things the right way, uh, was very instrumental, actually, when you think about it, in getting that on-campus indoor facility built. Like, there's no HB, first of all, there's no HBCU that has an on-campus indoor facility. And for, I mean, for Rod Reed to be able to do that, he had to have trust of alums, people in the community, he had to have trust of those uh, that he coached uh, he coached before and then also of those that you know former teammates and then those some of those even greats that played before him to get that built no HBCU has that not many FCS programs have that i mean i don't know if any a lot of FBS programs have that so to have an on campus indoor facility that is for football but can be used for other things related to Tennessee State, I think is absolutely uh, phenomenal. So that was an accomplishment. He got some things done, had a nice structured program. But what I also learned 
is that he wasn't playing with a full uh, complement of scholarships. 63 scholarships is the full complement at the FCS level this year. Um, the, the Tennessee State program had the full complement, but in years past, not always the case. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Conversely, three games under 500, your Tennessee State, you have an opportunity, uh, really an opportunity to bring uh, the head football coach uh, or to bring Eddie George in. Uh, he's a guy that's in the community, very well known, played for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this was this was a good hire. Um, you know, you, you, you can look at, I mean, the program just, especially the last couple of years, just didn't get to the level that it could have gotten to. You look at the recruiting classes, they're great. You look at a lot of the transfers that were brought in, some high-profile guys. For whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Tennessee State moved on. I'm not, it's not that Tennessee State moved on. It's the manner in which it moved on and this getting out prior to Rod Reed in his last football game uh, as the head coach there at Tennessee State. That said, okay, so just a little bit of takeaway. I'm going to merge the SWAT call into this Eddie George situation. Then we'll go back again, talk about Jackson State and Alabama A&M, and I have some takeaways from the SWAT coaches call on yesterday. So Deion Sanders mentioned on the coaches call that he had had conversations with Eddie George. Eddie George had reached out to him. They had conversations. He, you know, t- he talked with Eddie George about uh, some of the things he dealt with or dealing with uh, with respect to Jackson State. He didn't want to go into those specifically in terms of some of the conversations that the two had. But definitely Eddie George sought advice from Deion Sanders in this process. Eddie George no uh, no previous uh, coaching experience so that's that's interesting in of itself but it leads and that, and that's fine i mean that's fine because sometimes you make a business decision and this is a business decision much like what jackson state made listen jackson state and deon sanders are complementary to each other because for deon sanders it gives him coaching experience on the collegiate level for jackson state it brings Jackson State to a national level of prominence that not only is is really, I mean, they, you, you know, you can try to frame it. We're bringing HBCUs along and getting more notoriety to HBCUs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you could frame it any way you want it. At the end of the day, it is giving Jackson State a level of, of and, to, and, and to a lesser degree, okay, HBCUs as well, but really Jackson State, uh, a a it brings Jackson State above most, if not all, FCS programs in terms of notoriety. I mean, we see that you got games on ESPN uh, now, which is great. It is great for HBCUs. It's great uh, for Jackson State, uh, and maybe even a lot of times Jackson State talked more about than some other FBS programs because Deion Sanders is there. So you're you're there's a there's a two way street here. Both Deion Sanders and Jackson State are benefiting, and Jackson State is reaping in some of the rewards from a financial standpoint. That is a win for Jackson State. Okay, no question uh, about that. But I will ask the question, go back to the question I asked yesterday. What does that mean? Is this a trend we're seeing now where you're going to have high-profile guys, uh, former players that are going to be hired at HBCU programs? And let's not forget 
the first uh, one in the more recent times, high-profile guy hired to an HBCU was Tyrone Wheatley at Morgan State. Now, let's not forget Tyrone Wheatley was a phenomenal college football player, was a good National Football League uh, player, but Tyrone Wheatley had college coaching experience as well. We don't talk about that hire uh, as much, maybe because Tyrone Wheatley isn't, you know, maybe he because he wasn't as prominent in the National Football League as an Eddie George or a, a, a Deion Sanders, but I think Tyrone Wheatley's a good hire uh, moving forward for Morgan State. But what does it mean for for other coaches, particularly HBCU coaches, uh, those that have played at HBCUs? Because HBCU, there's again, there's been only one HBCU grad to ever coach at the FBS level or 1A level. That was Willie Jeffries, South Carolina State grad, coached at, uh, coached, uh, of course, at the FBS level. Um, but, I mean, we haven't had any sense. And that's training ground, right? I mean, to be able to get to that next level. We're, we as uh, as eight, as I mentioned yesterday, we as HBCU grads are not getting the opportunities really uh, as a whole on the FBS level. So, I mean, we're all, we were already being squeezed out by FBS programs. Now our own programs potentially are, are squeezing us out. I'm all for the business aspect of things. I think, you know, this, this hire by Tennessee State is going to be a great hire for Tennessee State from a business perspective, uh, from a community perspective. When you look at a guy like an Eddie George and what he brings to the table, his name brings a lot to the table from a national perspective and then locally in the community as a great football player for the Tennessee Titans played uh, uh, of course with Steve McNair uh, for the Titans of course the Titans coming up short in that Super Bowl against the Rams back in 1999 I mean he brings all of that but what does this mean for for some of our graduates we're we're getting squeezed out by our own institutions where we need to be able to get uh, those opportunities at that at those schools. Now, I, I'm not saying you hire a guy because he's an HBCU grad. Like, I'm not saying that, but it lessens the opportunities if this is, in fact, a trend, if we begin to see this. Uh, Deion Sanders mentioned the fact that some other um, prominent uh, uh, former NFL players, Ray Lewis, he mentioned. Uh, he mentioned... One, oh, Ed Reed. He mentioned a couple of other uh, players, uh, former players that were great players, Hall of Fame players, in fact, or fringe guys that had, would like opportunities to coach. Does that mean they have to come to our schools? What happens to our coaches? Those coaches that have been, you know, have done it, have had experience. You bring, you know, it's different if a coach has an exper- some experience. Tyrone Wheatley had college coaching experience, right? You bring him in uh, to Morgan State uh, in that uh, perspective. Deion Sanders, no college coaching experience. Eddie George, no coaching experience. What does that mean uh, moving forward if this is, in fact, a trend? Do you hire a guy at an HBCU just because of his name? Sometimes it's a it, you need that shot. Uh, I get it. Jackson State is getting that shot. Uh, both from a publicity standpoint and from a revenue generation standpoint. 
Like, I get it. But then, uh, again, what happens to those coaches that have put in the work, deserve an opportunity, not going to get the can't get the not going to get the opportunity at least early on generally speaking at the FBS level or even at and sometimes we get more of an we do get opportunities at the FCS level at non HBCUs uh sometime but nothing like uh an an HBCU that's going to give you that opportunity what does that do for those coaches i want to hear from you on this Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. So, big game, Jackson State uh, and Alabama A&M. Alabama A&M getting the win, 52-43, to much higher game, a scoring game than I thought. I think what I may do is just stick to the prediction of, the, of who is going to win or lose the game. I, I got this one wrong again in terms of, I said I thought it would be a blowout. And I thought that uh, that Alabama A&M would it would win something like thirty five or thirty eight to ten or fourteen something like that. Well, it I mean I, I got the part that uh, Alabama A&M would win the game. I got that part right, but the but in terms of the uh, the score, I didn't get that one uh, right in the least. I thought it would be a matchup uh, between the wide receivers of Alabama A&M and the defensive backs of Jackson State, and it was the wide receivers of Alabama A&M that absolutely went to work. Aquil Glass, the quarterback, found seven different receivers in the ball game. Six of those receivers had at least two receptions in the ball game. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal, it was just a really good game. It went back and forth for a while until Alabama A&M was able to get you know, a couple of score lead. And then Jackson State from that point was trying to play catch up. In the game, Aquil Glass, 27 of 40, 440 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. He also was only sacked one time in the ball game. Meanwhile, Quincy Casey gets his first start, put up some solid numbers 30 of 47, 323 yards. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions. He was also sacked. Four times in the ball game. Jackson State is having an issue protecting the quarterback. We didn't see that in the first couple of games, even though I saw Mississippi Valley State put some pressure, did a decent job of putting some pressure on the quarterbacks. But now uh, you're seeing, you're, what is that? that that's got to be what, like 12 sacks or something like that, at least in the last three games that Jackson State has given up. One more game for Jackson State. Remains. They're going to have to get that part of it under control, okay? Um, for his exploits, meaning a quill glass in the game, he was named the Box to Row National Player of the Week, an absolutely uh, splendid football game uh, that he was able to play and have ultimately in the victory for Alabama A&M. I asked Coach Maynard um, about the game about Aquil Glass's performance. He's coached some great quarterbacks, including Cameron Smith, who was the box to row uh, player of the year back in, uh, I think it was 2012, 2011, 2012, something like that when Maynard was at Winston-Salem State. He says this is as good a performance as he's ever seen. I mean, you're talking about this kid completing 68% 
of his passes in the ball game. Six touchdowns to no interceptions. Throwing the ball 40 times and not throwing a single interception is pretty darn good. I asked him, I said, well, what's how does how does his performance I asked coach Maynard how does how does Glass's performance compare against anything you did while you were at Winston-Salem State or A&T as the quarterback Maynard said uh, the best performance he had he was 28 of 32 347 yards four touchdowns no interceptions in a game against Delaware State I, I mean those are about comparable because Maynard only missed four passes but this kid threw for six touchdowns and threw eight more pass attempts better completion percentage by Maynard I would say I would have you know you have to look at the games I mean you know but if you just judge it by the numbers I mean I have to give it a I'd have to give the edge to uh, definitely I'd have to give the edge to a quill uh glass other uh items from the conference called Vincent Dancy the head coach of Mississippi Valley State uh, you know, he questioned a, a call by the officials late. He decided to go for a a, a goal line situation from the one. Uh, Mississippi Valley State fumbled the ball. Uh, it was recovered by Alabama State. Uh, but on the replay, it looked like the ball had crossed the goal line. According to him, I didn't see it. I haven't seen it. Um, and he questioned uh, that call. He says that was a momentum changer in the game. Uh, ultimately, he had trust in his guys, and but he also did say, "Man, I, you know, I probably should have kicked the field goal uh, in that situation." But he said he trusted his guys in that situation. We'll talk more about the conference call on tomorrow. Some other things came out from the conference call that I want to talk about on tomorrow's HBCU Football Daily podcast. Alabama A&M remains number one in the HBCU football polls with the coaches and the media, and as a matter of fact, their lead is starting to grow, especially with that shootout win against Jackson State. Maybe some question marks on the defensive side of the football for Alabama A&M. No question marks on the offensive side of the football for the Bulldogs. That's going to wrap it up for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast, where, as always, you can find us on our website at BoxToRow.com, where you can also find the HBCU football polls and some great content on the website. Also, you can find the HBCU football daily podcast on Apple podcasts, as well as iHeartMedia.com. Talk with you tomorrow. Find the box to row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Amari Hardware, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. Over the years.